Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to, as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, Data Mesh Understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of December 3rd, 2023. I'm recording this early and already did two calls to action, so nothing specific this week. Just tell a co-worker you appreciate their work or something. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 274, Your Data Platform as a Product, Treat It Like One, an interview with Sean Gustafson of Delivery Hero. This one is all about how to build out a good data platform and use platform engineering and product practices to do so. How you can approach data mesh from that iterative standpoint and be bold when you need to, but not and make small bets when you don't need to be bold. How you can measure the success of your platform and the journey to build your platform. Again, how do you treat your platform like an actual product and kind of What have we learned from product management that we can apply there? On Friday, we have episode 275, which is a panel, Why Data Mesh Needs Digital and Org Transformation, led by Benny Benford with uh, Nalia Sarbinzunova, Eulia Varvara, and Stefan Zima. So this is another episode all about transformation. I think it's so crucial to understand how to change things and make the changes actually stick. Like transformation is such an important topic. We don't talk about it enough. So how to approach long-term change, how to think about getting more and more momentum and keep people informed and involved and, you know, kind of really do start to transform how the organization works and looks, but that it doesn't start from, you know, hey, here's a document, everybody just start doing this. How, how do you actually get up the necessary momentum to move forward. I I really do love this topic, and I think this panel will inspire you to think more about the bigger transformation picture you need for your organization and your mesh uh, journey. So with that, on to the extended summary for Sean's episode and the panel. But quick reminder that panel extended summaries are quite long. Extended summary for episode 274, your data platform is a product, treat it like one. 
the interview with Sean Gustafson. So in this episode, I interviewed Sean, who's the director of data platform at Delivery Hero. Delivery Hero has been on the data mesh journey for quite a while. They've been on it for over three years now. So there's some interesting insights from somebody who's kind of been along this path for a while. So Sean started with a bit about how he sees his role as leading the data platform team. It is very challenging, but still important in his view to try to shape culture even through the data platform. There are so many places in data mesh where there is friction. How do you make things easier as everyone transitions to product thinking and decentralized ownership? Just because you have mandates from the top, people need new ways to accomplish new goals, right? Make your platform reflect the type of data culture that you want and still in people the understanding that they can and should participate in your data culture and your data work. Easier said than done, of course. Relatedly, Sean believes the data platform should show people the right way to do things, give them the, that easy path where possible, but still give them the freedom to do some aspects, you know, dot, 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 not so right. <laughs> Treat your data platform as a product is something Sean strongly believes in. And to do that, you need someone acting as a product manager. It's not rocket science. We know how, to, we know how product management works in software, and it's not very different when it comes to building a data platform. But you need someone specifically focusing on user needs and product delivery. And part of that role is also to advocate, you know, new features and actually just getting people to use the platform. Just because you built it, that doesn't mean people will use it. When asked about iterating to good, Sean talked about how in product management, good practice is about making constant and small improvements, but also balancing the bigger picture, you know, and the bigger bets. It's not always about the big new platform, but sometimes it's okay to shake things up. You make small bets when small bets are good enough, but make bet big bets when they're necessary. But you have to do that by balancing the short-term and the long-term picture. Fail fast and iterative improvements are crucial to good product thinking in software, and we need to apply that to data. But again, big changes are okay if you properly build to them instead of trying to flip a switch. He specifically mentioned that it will be hard to iterate to a platform that does decentralized ownership well from one that was very highly centralized. It's not impossible, but at least consider building out your mesh platform from scratch. Sean talked about generative AI and how it's starting to change lots of people's views internally about data. While previously many software software teams were at best reluctant or hesitant to model their data, there's a big interest from the software engineers to directly interact with the large language models. Tools like DBT previously brought many new people to the data party, making it easy to model data, at least structurally. So hopefully generative AI will mean more people learning to model their data. There are inherent challenges but the more the merrier when it comes to people working to produce good data. We just have to make sure they learn how to do it well, right? Many who are new to data modeling do it, you know, not so well. When it comes to product management, you need to measure how well you're doing. For Sean, that, of course, extends to the data platform. While KPIs can be somewhat hard around your data platform, that doesn't mean you get to slack off and not measure things. 
At Delivery Hero, right now, they are using surveys to measure a number of things around their data platform, rather than trying to measure things automatically without context. It also creates a lot of conversations in the data platform team about what are you actually trying to do and why, which prevents a lot of wasted work on the platform team. It's not perfect, but it's getting better. Scott, note, this is why I'm writing a book on success factors, then another book on success metrics and data mesh. This stuff is hard. Sean talked a bit about APIs and how much data products should be treated like data APIs. Jamak has said the same thing many, many times. Not just versioning, but tracking usage and having users register to actually use the, the data products, you know, register their use at the output ports. There's a lot to learn from how APIs evolved, so we don't have to make the same mistakes in data. When talking to software engineering people, Sean has found using data terminology, especially data mesh terminology, doesn't really resonate with them. We probably need to come up with new terms or potentially just use the terms Jamak took from software and then change them to data and just use the terms they're already familiar with and just make them about data too instead of inventing those new terms, right? But be prepared for it all to fall back to that most software people will see the backend systems as more important than the data. If you can get them over that hump, it's far easier to get them bought in on data mesh. You may be able to win them over by showing them how the data is used internally. Scott, note here, this comes up a lot. There are many, many reasons for it, but that's why when people start to mix data products into the operational plane, that operational plane always becomes a first-class citizen. And so it it ends up creating more uh, benefits than, or it creates more issues than it does benefits. So incident management in data is still pretty nascent in Sean's view. While on the software engineering side, there are very well-established processes, often in data, it has been more slapdash at best. No escalation, no prioritization, no formal process, no postmortem, shared learnings, etc. The traditional measure around data issues, how much money did we lose, often isn't applicable here in, in the data space as much as it might be on the software side. So we have to rethink what matters and why, because our prioritization is often skewed. John wrapped up back to the start about how important culture is. Not just getting your organization to be data-driven, but setting up more and more people for success in your organization through their work with data. Extended summary for episode 275, a panel, Why Data Mesh Needs Digital and Organizational Transformation, led by Benny Benford, with Nalia Sarbizanova, Ayulia Varvara, and Stefan Zima. Quick reminder that extended summaries for panels go through a lot of bullet points and are, are quite long. In this episode, guest host, facilitator, Benny Benford, founder of, and CEO of Datent, a 
data transformation-focused consultancy and community, and guest of episode 244, facilitated a discussion with Ayulia Varvara, advisory consultant in digital and organizational transformation at ThoughtWorks, and guest of episode 268, Nalia Zarbin-Zanyova, who's a digitalization manager at DHL and a PhD candidate around data architecture and guest of a soon-to-be-released episode, Stefan Zima, data transformation lead at Raffaison Bank International AG and guest of episode 270. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. So the topic for this panel was transformation when it comes to data and data mesh in general, but especially understanding how organizational transformation must play a large part in a data mesh implementation to be successful. And that transformation is not simply making changes, it is making lasting changes. Organizational transformation is a crucial aspect of doing data mesh, even if it's not spoken about all that often. And then as per usual with the panels, personal note, I, um, I'm just sharing my own takeaways rather than trying to reflect the panelists' points of views individually. I've got my top eight takeaways, and then I've got 15 more after that. So top takeaways, my number one, transformation means changing something. We aren't starting from scratch. You have to consider the starting points, not only the target endpoints. And in Data Mesh, there isn't really an end. Every organization's transformation starting point, whether a Data Mesh transformation or otherwise, will be unique. So adjust your transformation journey plan accordingly. Number two, there are so many reasons transformation initiatives, especially data transformations, can fail. But a big one is not preparing for the long-term net, the long-term change necessary to make changes actually stick. It's easy to try to make changes, but actually making them to last for the long run is something else entirely. Number three, there needs to be a sense of urgency to drive forward a large-scale top down-driven organizational transformation. There isn't a real business reason and one where there is a need or at least a strong desire to be addressed in the near term, you are far more likely to lose momentum and sponsorship. And you need lots of momentum and sponsorship for large-scale sustainable transformation. Number four, if you are trying to pitch something like Data Mesh, speak to real pain points. Just selling the potential benefits instead of solving real painful existing challenges is not likely to win you all that many converts. There's a reason painkillers are easier to sell than vitamins. Number five, transformation and product thinking have a lot in common. Or transformation is treating the organization as something like a product to improve over time. That means prioritization. You can't take everything on at once. Work with your stakeholders to make progress on what matters most and what you can tackle as you mature. Number six, driving data transformation, data mesh or otherwise, will likely take a lot of education. There's a general sense people should be using data for additional use cases, but really, many aren't thinking of the great ways they could use data. Help them find the link between their business priorities and pains and data. Number seven, your business partners don't need to know the particulars of your transformation initiative. Sell them a story. Give them an enticing vision. Why is this worth doing? And what is the payoff? Stop taking them on the sausage factory tour against their will. 
give them or promise them a wonderful sausage tasting party instead. Number eight, organizational transformation, data or otherwise, only happens when things change, when they transform. It sounds obvious, but you really have to get your business partners to engage or your transformation won't be as successful and is likely to stall or fail. Try to change, trying to change the entire organization from just the data team is daunting at best. You have to align with those people to move forward together. So I've got some other takeaways. I've got 15. Many of them touch on similar points from the uh, previous points as well as to each other, but from kind of different angles or aspects. Number one, transformation might not be the best word since transformation implies an end state, an end to transforming. And while you should have some kind of target future state in mind, that's likely to be a target future state along the journey rather than an end state. You know, the only constant is change, as Yulia said. Number two, if you try to break your data mesh transformation down into very separate component parts and transform them separately, it's going to make it more difficult, if not impossible. You need to transform across technology, mindset, understanding, ownership, etc. You need to transform across all of those simultaneously, pushing in the same cohesive direction. The organization has to be ready and capable for a change too. Number three, relatedly, you can't start with some massive change or only look to deliver value starting in like year three. Find ways to make progress and deliver value, especially provable, marketable value, along the way. Incremental value delivery is the key to maintaining exec attention and sponsorship, which are crucial to maintaining momentum. Number four, also relatedly, this doesn't mean your progress on different aspects will be at the same pace. Maturity, buy-in, capacity, etc., will determine how far you can transform different aspects and when. Don't try to wait for everything to move together. Don't try and put it in that it must all move at the same pace. That's not going not gonna to work. It's not going to happen. Number five, a data mesh transformation driven from the bottom up and mostly by the data team is possible, but will likely be harder, maybe far harder than top down. You need to constantly win more support but that can also have its advantages than, you know, over something with a lot of fanfare, but not a lot of specific direction as a lot of the top-down driven data mesh implementations are, are kind of running up against. They're kind of pushing to be data-driven, but that's it. Number six, prioritization is key to doing org transformation well. So is measuring progress. If you aren't addressing the real pain points, or at least the pain points your exec sponsors care about, <laughs> you will likely lose that sponsorship. Show them you are making progress against those pain points. So that's the measuring the progress. Number seven, get your business partners to tell you their actual pain points, not just about data, but about areas where data may be able to improve their work. They will often literally tell you how to sell doing something like data to them by making them feel seen and heard and actually creating a plan to address their specific pains. Number eight, relatedly, work with stakeholders to define those success metrics around your progress. If you can continually show them incremental value and that you are addressing their needs, you are far more likely to be successful 
with your transformation initiative. But getting the clear metrics around the data work will be hard. And, you know, personal note, I'm writing a book on this. It's book number two, and I'm writing it for a reason. This stuff is hard. Number nine, potentially controversial one. If you want to kind of, quote, prove value from data work, create a way for other teams to measure the value created. A data team claiming they created value versus, you know, something like finance claiming the data team created value. It's a world of difference when it comes to credibility when somebody else kind of has the measurement and the measuring stick. Number 10, when it comes to prioritization of data transformation, should the data team really be setting the priorities? For certain aspects like the platform, probably, but really the business should tell you what are the highest priorities where you should focus your work. Number 11, another potentially controversial one, the head of the data organization should be there to enable other parts of the business to drive, derive value from data. It's about making everyone else better, right? It's not about delivering the value in and of itself yourself. It's about making everyone else better able to deliver value. Number 12, because of the central nature of many, maybe most data teams and large organizations, too many people are used to them essentially being free. You know, incremental data work doesn't typically cost the line of business or at least doesn't cost very much. Transforming that mindset to get them to focus on extracting value from data work might be challenging. Number 13, as constantly comes up in almost every data mesh conversation, incentivizing data producers is hard. You should try to create structural incentivization at the organizational level to push some of the value created back to the data producers. You know, actually show them, hey, if you produce this value, you're going to get this value cycled back into your line of business, your domain. Whether that's exactly pay or whether that's more money to fund initial, uh, additional initiatives, which then will lead to better pay if they pay off, it's hard to say, but show them a pathway to this actually having a tangible benefit. Number 14, data mesh isn't the point. It should never be the point. Schmack has said this as well. We are looking for ways to achieve our goals and data mesh, you know, at least hopefully, but I think it does, provides good framing to do just that, to achieve our goals. And finally, number 15, at the end of the day, data work should be about impact. Focus on impact with your business partners and they will be far more likely to continue to engage. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey, helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music. Mm-hmm.